full week of September. Next year we have Pastor Greg Mitchell and Paul Stevens. Um, it'll be it'll be fun. All right, Luke twelve forty eight. Um, I was trying to find a good illustration for this sermon, but every illustration I found I didn't like, so I'm not using one. Um, so this is basically what I got from conference. God's been dealing with me about this for a long time. And I'm probably going to get straight to the point this morning. Um, I've titled this sermon, To Whom Much Is Given, Much Is Required. To Whom Much Is Given, Much Is Required. So let's read Luke 12, 48. The Bible says, oh, this is Jesus speaking. He says, but he did not, uh, did not know, yet committed the, uh, things deserving of stripes, shall be beaten with a few. So he's actually talking here about servants who, their master went away, and then the servants obeyed, some servants obeyed, and some didn't obey, and then they get beaten up for it, and then some other servants that didn't really understand much, and they get only beaten a little. I don't know exactly what that means, but it means something. And I'm not going to get into it too much, because Pastor has got a sermon on it, and like, you thought any of those sermons at conference was con- convicting? He preached it at the Prescott conference. When he got to his third point and said some good news, I, I said out loud, oh, thank God, because like, I thought I finished. So you can read that. I encourage you to read verse 40 down to 48 later on, but this is what I want to focus on this morning. For everyone who, to whom much is given from him or her, much will be required. And to whom much has been committed, of him they will ask the more. Amen. Let's bow our heads and pray. God, thank you for the spirit of our church. God, I thank you for our fellowship. God, what you've imparted in us. God, let us be good stewards of what you've given us. God, let the Holy Ghost touch our lives. Strengthen us this morning, God. Give us wisdom and hope this morning. We give you all the praise and all the honor. In the mighty name of Jesus, everybody says, Amen. First, we want to look at much given. And every year I'm saved, I'm blown away at the rarity and the power of the vision of the Potter's House. And when I was younger, I used to hear sermons on the vision. And you've, you've definitely heard me preach on vision and other pastors preach on the vision of our fellowship. And you'd hear sermons all the time on vision. You'd hear at conference, you would have heard people say, thank you, Pastor Mitchell, for the vision. Uh, we're grateful for the vision. We appreciate the vision. And I'm going to be honest, when I was a lot younger, growing up in church, I'm like, why is this a big deal? Why are we so grateful for the vision for uh, it, to me, it wasn't so important. And the reason it wasn't so important, because I thought, um, isn't every church doing what we're doing? Like, I thought what we do is normal Christianity. You know, it was clear, Jesus said, go make disciples of all the nations. Why is it such a big deal that we're making disciples of all the nations? That shouldn't every church do that? You know, Paul told Timothy, preach the word, Second uh, Timothy 4.2. Preach the word, be ready in season, out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. God's word translation says, be ready to spread the word, whether or not the time is right, point out errors, warn people, encourage them, be patient with what you teach. And I thought every church does this. I thought every church preaches discipleship, every church is into evangelism, every church sends out churches. I grew up in the Potter's house, I thought this was very normal. Then one day I woke up from my la-la land and... Um, I realized that not all churches are doing this. And um, then I realized that not many churches doing this. And this is not a, a hate sermon against other churches. This is a love sermon towards our own fellowship and our own church. You know, when was the last time you got witnessed to by a normal Christian on the streets? Emphasis on normal. Not someone trying to sell you holy oil from Israel. 
not, not people who don't go to church, but they're preaching the gospel, but they don't have a pastor, they're not accountable, they don't tithe, they don't serve, they don't help, but they tell you how you should be a Christian. When was the last time you got witness to someone who wasn't a Jehovah's Witness, not a Mormon, not a Seventh-day, not a Catholic, not from a cultural church where we only have one culture in our church? When was the last time you got witnessed to by a Pentecostal Christian on the streets? I can't remember, for me. It might be different for you. But for me, I can't remember. I'm not saying they're not doing it. I'm saying it's, it's pretty rare what we do. It is not like we're fighting with people so we, they, we can tell them about Jesus on the streets and they're, they're trying to outdo us. It's not like we meet the same people who are out there street preaching and, and witnessing in a normal Holy Ghost Pentecostal church. You know, Pastor Payne and Pastor Scott Lamb, I think I showed this last Sunday morning, he preached so on, on gratitude. And thank God for the vision that we have in our church, man. Like it, is, it is so rare. I, I'm going to be straight up with you. I will not be saved if it wasn't for the Potter's house. I will, not, I will not be saved. And, you know, because how many other churches are witnessing? How many other people are, are preaching a straight truth gospel? And it's funny, funny how religious people, they get into this thing called predestination. You may have heard of predestination before. Predestination, I've got a uh, quote, uh, definition here. It's the doctrine that God has ordained all that will happen, which that part's true. But he goes, especially with regard to the salvation of some and not of others. So they believe that God sets people to be saved and sets people not to be saved, which is the biggest load of, of, of as what Pastor Mitchell says, horse manure I have ever heard in my life. So the thought was, I was always going to be saved. It just happened to be the potter's house. And if it wasn't for the potter's house, someone else would have witnessed to me. Really? Really? Because you've been witnessed to so many times. Because you've gone to so many Bible-believing churches. Could you have been saved in another church? Absolutely. Would, was it a certainty? Certainty? Absolutely not. The reason I'm saved today is because of Saturday outreach. That's, that's the whole reason I'm saved. It says, how will they hear without a preacher? Why would God tell us to go into all the world and preach the gospel if it really matter? If they're going to get saved anyway? It's, it's the biggest load of rubbish. And, and what happens is, after a while, we've been saved a little while. It's like, you know what, Potter's house isn't that, you know. I would have got saved somewhere else. No. Because you didn't. And to say I would have is, is, is very, very odd to me. How many times have you been witness to on the streets? How many times has this happened? Not, not many. Not Facebook evangelism. Not you, someone shared a verse. Someone spoke to you face to face, eyeball to eyeball, like Pastor Mitchell says, eyeball evangelism, told you, you need Jesus. Sin sends people to hell. The gospel is Jesus Christ came and died, shed his blood for our sin, and you can have repent. If you repent, you can be forgiven of all your sin. You need to turn and live for Jesus Christ. That doesn't happen too often. It's usually just, if you just believe, you'll be all good. It's insanity in the highest. And it's driving me nuts, because you could tell I probably spoke to someone yesterday about this. You could tell it's even more in my heart. Habakkuk 2.2 says, And the Lord answered it to me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he who run, they may run who reads it. Our vision is very plain and very simple. And I'm going to explain it again this morning. Just so we can run with it. And just in case you're new here, this is what we stand for. This is what we always stand for. This is what we, we will always stand for. And we will not vary from this vision. Three things. Evangelism, discipleship, 
church planted. Number one evangelism, Mark 16, 15. Said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Every creature, meaning all creation. Not literal dogs and cats and horses and, you know, some people, they look like a creature. You can witness to them too. But all creation to every single person. Why would Jesus tell us to go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation if they're going to get saved anyway? Why would I come to New Zealand? I'll go stay in Australia and make money. Someone will, someone will get them saved. Ah, oh, pride, man. Pastor Mitchell has said God has framed redemption around human action. God has framed redemption around human action. You're telling me that the thief on the cross would have got saved anyway if it was just any other person? <laughs> Not a chance. Not a chance at all. We have a job to do and win the world to Jesus. That's why you could see that we are into evangelism. We have a lot of impact teams. We have a lot of outreaches, concerts. We have every service. We have an altar call. And because we're into evangelism. And I tell you, evangelism isn't one hour on a Saturday or a Friday night. It is your life that you tell people about Jesus Christ. And that's what we're supposed to do. Number one, evangelism. Number two, discipleship. Matthew 28, my scripture conference. It says, Go therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. A disciple is a learner, a student, someone who follows the doctrines and beliefs of another. Yes, of Jesus Christ, but also of a man. And we'll get into that tonight. I'll show you that video tonight, Pastor Payne. But Pastor Payne's got another quote. He said, Better for us to die a young movement than to drop the ball on discipleship. That's a big statement. Better for our churches to die out as a young movement than to drop the ball on discipleship. Because many churches, you go there, there's no disciples. It's got cool music, cool, cool songs, cool lights, cool atmosphere, cool coffee. But where's the disciples? Discipleship. I was, I was challenging someone. I said, what, what outreaches do your church do? He goes, well, we, we have a women's conference. I said, yeah. We know Pastor Mitchell. How good was conference? Pastor Mitchell was on fire. He goes, men who are, uh, women pastors produce wimpy men. And he said a lot of other things on the Sunday, which I won't repeat, because he's Pastor Mitchell, he can get away with it. And so you should hear, you, you know, I preach on discipleship, you may have noticed. You should hear Pastor Mitchell preach on discipleship. You'd be praying, bring back Dan, he's nice, right? You know, like, he's straight truth, right? So we have to stick to the, it's biblical, right? It is not a, oh, this is, we're going to go build a well, and that's great. But Jesus didn't say go into all the world and, and build wells. Jesus didn't say go into all the world and build a school. Building a school is great. That's fantastic. But he said go into all the world and make disciples. That's our goal. That's what we're going to stick to forever. Amen. Holy Ghost. Amen. Thirdly, world evangelism. Church planting. How do you make disciples of all the nations if we don't send out churches to all the nations? I said this in my sermon. Uh, my goal, my vision is not Onihanga. They'll be incredibly selfish. What about all the other people? Guess how many countries McDonald's is in? I know what you're going to say. 119. You got it spot on. KFC, 118. Burger King, 100. Domino's, only nine. But they they get in there. Subway, 93. Potter's House, 120. We've got more churches, I mean, more, more nations than McDonald's. We're not mucking around. Like, well, this is not a side issue. This is not a, hmm, we'll, we'll give it a go. We are saved here today because they sent out churches outside of Prescott. We have 2,650 churches. 
And this is not to brag as I look up, look how great we are, but that's the vision and we're going to stick to that. And hopefully, soon enough, it'll be 121 and that could be our, us changing that to a nation that there isn't a church yet. Like, Cook Island. But we've been obedient to the, to, the, to the heavenly vision. You know, some other church, I'm not going to mention the name, great church, big church, they're in 19 countries. And that's a great thing to be in 19 countries, but to show what God has done and what our vision is and how clear it is. You know, Salvation Army, they're in 130 nations. That's incredible, but they're not really preaching the same gospel they once preached, if you read about them. They were more on fire than us. They used to go out on outreach, dress up all military altogether because they're the Salvation Army. They dress like an army and they street preached constantly. They brought out the band and they did what we do. They sang songs on the streets and they street preached. When was the last time the, the, the Salvation Army was street preaching? You don't even think of a church anymore. You think of an op shop. And they're not even the Salvation Army anymore. They're the Salvos. And so that's a big change. The first night at Prescott, this is the first night in the new building, brand new facility, Pastor Mitchell's preaching. And I'm thinking, what's he going to preach on? I bet you he's going to preach on discipleship. He's going to preach on some powerful thing. Do you know what he preached on? Healing. At a conference. When was the last time you heard a sermon on healing at a conference? You've never heard a sermon on, on healing, because I've never heard one. And I'm like, this is odd. And then I realized, and all through his sermons the last few years, he's constantly reestablishing our values. He's, you know, Pastor Mitchell's not getting any younger. And every time he preaches, he's reestablishing that we are into healing and we believe in miracle healing. And that night, so many people got healed, all these people on the stage, and I think I mentioned this, people watching on live stream were getting healed in their living room. Like, it's so incredible. And he said, the people who re-watch it on live stream are still getting healed. And so he said at a conference, we should just show that in all the churches and everyone could get healed. But it's, uh, he's re-establishing our core values, the foundation of our fellowship. Healing crusades, speaking in tongues. True conversion. Not trying to rip off people from other churches. Eyeball evangelism, not social media evangelism. You may have noticed that we shut down our church social media account. I know it was upsetting to some people, I'm sorry. Not because I think it's just a horrible, bad thing, but I, I don't want our church to be hooked on, hey, I shared it, so therefore I've witnessed. That's not true. That's like, remember Pastor, Pastor Cox, when I organized the letterbox drop, and then he ripped the letterbox drop after that? Remember that? Praise the Lord. We're a preaching fellowship. We don't get together and just, you know, let's share what your heart or let's, let's share what the Lord has done and sharing. We don't share, we preach. You would have noticed that. Uh, you would have noticed that we have male leadership. You may have noticed that. Beck's not the co-pastor. She's my wife, if that's okay. Like that's, we, don't, we don't have that because it's, it's unbiblical. Do you know that Ruth and Esther weren't even written by Ruth and Esther? 66 books all written by men. You can do, take that as you please, but... And he establishes God uses ordinary people. He's going through all these things. He's, you may have heard that he's against Bible school. You may have heard once or 17 times through the conference. The reason they learn theology but not discipleship. So we are incredibly blessed to be such a part of an amazing fellowship. We have been given much. Can you say amen? We have been given a lot. So let's look secondly now at much required. Our text says, For everyone to whom much is given, and that's us, from him much will be required. And to whom much has been committed of him, they will ask the more. So we've just established, much has been given. Much has been given. And if you have been saved in the potter's house, I have some news for you. Much is required. 
the idea here of who much is given, much is required is you are held responsible for what you know, what you have, the talents you've been given. And we're expected to use them for the glory of God. So now that you are in the potter's house, you understand the vision, you understand what we're a part of, we have a responsibility to use what God has given and keep that going. To continue that vision of what Pastor Mitchell has given us through the, through the Word of God. You know, he's not getting any younger. He's 89. He's 90 next month. You saw him as he's preaching. He's, he's getting slower. He's, you know, he's, he's confusing words. And I, I said to Beck, when he's reading a scripture, sometimes there's long pauses in there. Not because he doesn't know the scripture, but I think sometimes he, he does it by memory and then he looks at the scripture, then he does it by words because he uses different translation and he goes in between, I noticed, as he's, as he's preaching. But he's, he's slowing down. He's given 50 years of his life to this for us. So when Pastor Mitchell passes away, which is hopefully in a very long time, but when it inevitably happens, will the vision continue here? Are we going to continue the vision or are we going to turn out, imagine, you know, 50 years time and we're called the, you know, the potter's club selling pottery. Yeah, we, we laugh at that and we should laugh at that because it's incredible. But Salvation Army were more on fire than us. Much more militant than us. And they are nowhere near it. And we have, a, we have to make sure that this fellowship, it's on you now. It's on us. I'm sorry. You could say, but I didn't know to, you know, now. It's too late, like, you don't have that option. It's <laughs> Acts 26, 19. Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. And we need to be obedient to the heavenly vision. Matthew 25, I touched on this a little bit this morning. Parable of the talents, 5, 2, and 1. All right, the king gives him, he's going to come back, and he wants to see, what have you done with those talents I gave you? The one with the 5, he gets 5 back, the 2 gets 2 back, and the 1 doesn't do anything with it, and, you know, he gets in trouble for that and whatnot. But can I tell you, if you've been saved, if you come to the potter's house, you have been given a five-talent vision, not a one-talent vision. And now we have a five-talent vision. What does God expect? Does God expect a one-talent return? A two-talent? A three? Or four? He expects a five-talent return to whom much is given. Much is required in return. If you go to a church that doesn't really believe in outreach, if you got saved in a church there, doesn't really want, it's more about keeping people saved, not into evangelism or discipleship or church plan, that's okay, that's fine. That's a one-talent church. They'll be judged on their one talent, not you. And if you, just, if you got saved in the potter's house and you go to, to a one-talent church, you still are required five talents, my friend. Because to whom much is given, much is required. If I go to another church, I'll be all good. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. You've already been given the five talents. And you can run to those churches and you'll be like, ah, oh, this is cool. Oh, la, la. You can do all that, right? But you've been given five talents and you better bring back five talents. Hallelujah. <laughs> this is why in our church, if you go to another church, you may have realized they become leaders really quickly. Have you noticed that? Why did they leave and they became a leader straight away? Because I, I disciple five talent men. And the religious church doesn't. And they, they only have one talent, because they don't disciple, they have one talent men. And so when they see some of the Protestants, wow, you pray? You come on time? You tithe? You give? You evangelize? Man, you can, you can whatever position, yeah, take it. You can get a position straight away. Because we disciple five talent men. And like one man said, he says, you want real ministry? Stick it out. You want cheap ministry? Go to the church down the road. 
And unfortunately, he didn't keep his own advice. And now he has cheap ministry. This is what happens. You've been entrusted with five talents. And you need, you need to produce five talents. Amen? Are, we, are you with me this morning? Like, just tell me what Jesus said. Like, I'm seeing Pastor Mitchell. He's getting older and older. And every time I see him, he's getting slower and slower. And, and, but still, when you talk to him, like, witness, like when you fellowship with him, he's as sharp as, as anything. Like, he, he's got a sense of humor. He makes you feel horrible sometimes. And like, he plays with your emotions. I know exactly what he's up to. But he's, he's into it. He knows what he's doing. And we need to keep that going. Like, when he passes away... What, you know, he, he spoke about our church on, on, the Friday, on the Thursday night. He goes, it's so exciting to see young people on fire for God. And he spoke about our church numbers of times. And that's great. But what about in 10 years' time? Is he going to be like, what happened to that? What happened? Are they still a five-talent church? Or are they just, oh, you know, we're mature now. Well, we're, 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 we're all good now. Because this could happen, man. This, this is very real. We'll be naive to think the, it, it happened to the Salvation Army, but not to us. We'll be naive to think like that. So, we need to stick to the vision. Firstly, we will not water down the gospel. Ever. <laughs> ever, ever, never, ever. Alright? We're still going to preach evangelism. To, that, that won't change. This is a couple of quotes. Charles Spurgeon, he says, It's reason against the king of kings to tone down the word of God. It is, it is against God to tone it down. Another person said, God is not going to rewrite, rewrite, Right, silent W. Rewrite the Bible for your generation. Stop trying to change the scripture when it's written to change you. Trying to find, I'm sure it's got a different meaning. No, pick up your cross means die to yourself. Have you seen a cross recently? This is what it means. Just give it, give it a go. It is deny everything. Pastor Scott Lamb preached a sermon on um, the conference. And he spoke about that scripture. It says if you don't hate your father and mother and, and all this stuff. And he goes, you, he, goes, oh, he goes, I've preached it. And he says, you've probably preached it. That means, oh, you just got to love them more than, than, than um, you've got to love God more than them. He goes, where's that in the Bible? And I was like, I'm pretty sure it says, <laughs> he's like, it says, hate your father and mother. Jesus didn't say, oh, but, but make sure, actually, what I mean is you love them more. And I'm not going to get into all of that. So every, all mothers and fathers be careful. It's okay. I'm not going down that road. But we need to preach the gospel, not what we think it means. I, this, or experience, what I've experienced is this. What I think it means is this. So Paul warned Timothy about this. 1 Timothy 6, 6.20 Timothy, guard what God has entrusted to you. Avoid godless, foolish discussions with those who oppose you with their so-called knowledge. Don't get all religious and talk about it, but we do it like this. And so, oh, that's cool. Trust what's in... Guard this. What God's given you, guard this with your life. 2 Timothy 1, 13 and 14. Hold fast to the pattern. At the Protestant, we have a pattern, very clear pattern from the Word of God. Hold fast to the pattern, the sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. That good thing which we have committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in you. We don't need a new pattern. We don't need a new vision. We're good. We just need to hold fast to what we have. It's like having a recipe. You, you cook this recipe, you're going to produce this. If you change the recipe, you're going to get a different outcome. And this is, what, this is the issue. People want what we have without doing what we do. We want, they want this. It's like, it's like taking a tap. It's like, oh, I like the tap. I could just turn it on anywhere, but I'll just get water. No, that's just the, the outlook. What's behind is all the pipes and all these other things going on beneath the surface. And people come to church, man, what, your, your youth program is really good. We don't have a youth program. We have discipleship. 
That, that's all we have. We have men. We have women of God. When we went on the, the, the men's camp, there's, there's guys there, they're from another church, and they've invited us to come and use their facility, which is very nice of them. And he goes, oh, did you want to lead us in a prayer? I was like, yeah, I'll get one of the boys to pray. And we all prayed, Shonda, we all laying on, and he's like, oh, that was powerful. Well, that was normal. It's, it, it wasn't powerful. It was just a normal prayer meeting. It wasn't a prayer meeting. It was 30 seconds of prayer. And they're like, <laughs> because what we do works. We have a vision. We need to stick to this pattern. We stick to the pattern of prayer. Stick to the pattern of purity. Stick to the pattern of, of coming to church. Stick to the pattern of giving. Stick to the pattern of, of impact teams. Do you hear what Pastor Mitchell said? Oh, he attacked the pastors. He's supposed to be our friend. He's not our friend anymore. But thank God we do impact teams. He goes, Pastor, if you're not doing impact teams, shame on you. Again, shame on you. He said it twice. I was like, we didn't hear it the first time. And I was like, we have an impact team next month. I was calling, hey, you want an impact team? You want an impact team? We're going everywhere, right? Because that's what builds our fellowship. And we need to stick to these patterns that we have. 2 Timothy 2, 2. And the things which you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these faithful men that will be able to teach others also. And I've preached a whole sermon on this scripture, but we, we pass on discipleship to you. I'm passing this on to you. That The point is, is that you could teach that to others. Not your version. No, yeah, I know Dan says this, but let me, you know, I'm, I've been saved a while now. I know Pastor Mitchell Potter, I know they do that, but you know, do you know what the other church is doing? Let me tell you, I honestly do not care. I, I don't, because what I care about is what we need to do, and we have enough stuff on our plate. People said, oh, why don't we go help other churches? When? When do we have spare time to go help out all other churches? We're doing enough with all the 13, 14 churches here in New Zealand. There's another, oh, I forgot to know, there's another church coming to Oduhu from Sydney. And so they're going to need impact teams. They're going to need help. They're, there's more people coming. They're, the, the, the cavalry's arriving, man. Don't worry, we're, we're going to re-pioneer this country. We're taking over again. So the question is, hey, are you a disciple? Are you receiving discipleship? Number two, are you teaching and discipling others also? Because that's the future of our fellowship. The reason churches become irrelevant is because they, they drop the ball on discipleship and so they don't have men of God or strong women of God. So church, much has been given. Much is required. And if you've heard this sermon, and if you've been to our church, it's too late to, to be a one-talent man. Finally, let's close with much rewarded. We have two major blessings. Number one, you get to be used by God. And if that is not one of the greatest blessings in the world, it, it, we, we need to recalibrate our minds. Now, we jump for joy if we're used, you know, getting a new job or whatever, or, you know, military, all those things are very noble things, but the most noble thing in the world is to be used by God himself. Pastor Mitchell said, God uses common people to do incredible things. Common people. Thank God for that. Thank God we don't have to be superstars, because none of us will make the cut. I know you think you might, but you're not Superman. You might think you are underneath, but it's not there. I was having fellowship one night with Pastor Mitchell and asking him about work, what he did, he goes, I was a, I was a mach washing machine technician. I was like, a what? <laughs> he did what? He goes, you know, at the apartment blocks where there's all the washing machines? He goes, yeah, I'll go fix them. I was like, you know, that's not like the... If I was going to start a new fellowship, I wouldn't go down to the laundromat, Mr. Suds, and be like, yeah, you want to um, start a fellowship, a worldwide fellowship? And so God uses ordinary people. And you might think this morning, you're ordinary perfect so you fit in you're with us and he's changed the world and god can do that through us too another quote i think lossa spoke about this 
says Christianity isn't about what you are right now, it's about what you can become in God. And I think he says that every time he preaches nearly. Because he wants us to get that revelation that there's no superstars in the kingdom. I've got a photo here. If you stick, you stick to the talents that God's given you, you can become like this. The guy on the left, his name is Venkat. He's uh, from the Indian church. He's Pastor Josh Kumar, the guy, guy I went for in India last, last year. Um, and their wives, and that's Venkat. He's the one that got sent out. He got sent to a new church in India, eight hours train from his home church in another state, and there's no churches there, all by himself, the guy on the left. You might think, oh man, he's a pretty small man. Yeah, he is, and he's got polio. Polio is when your muscle doesn't, doesn't grow or is, is completely weak. And so his leg, he has to drag his leg, and it's like always facing this way when he's facing that way. You just, and all of you saw it when he's getting up on the stage. His wife needed to help him up the stage, remember? He's grabbing the chair to hold himself up. Now he's getting sent out to go pastor a church. Oh, man. And this guy's the real deal. When I was in the church, he's out there praying with people on the, on the, at the front. He's singing in the song service. It wasn't, yeah. I, anyway. But he's, he's doing something. I, I told Josh, I go, you have the worst song service in the whole, whole Potter's House Fellowship. I, I, you needed, I, I spoke, he goes, can you speak to him? I spoke to him. I said, guys, how often do you practice? They said, every week. I said, I can't help you. I'm, I'm, nothing I could do here. But uh, they're doing stuff. He's ushering. He's getting me water. He's involved. He came out a couple of times. He had some time. He took time off work so he can come have coffee with me and Pastor Josh. And the dude's into it, man. He's got a master's degree or something. Pastor Elliot said he's probably more, more qualified than any of us. And he's doing something for God. And man, it's like, who would have thought someone with polio can go start a church? Eight hours away from his home church. It's like past Napier by himself. They speak a different language. He knows the, the language. And I'm just blown away. This is what you can become in Christ. The world will say, ah, nothing. But God says, you're a five-talent man. He was obedient to the heavenly vision. He didn't allow his polio to give any excuse. You know, to be honest, I don't know what I would have done. If I had polio, I don't think I'd be, I don't know. I don't think I'd be, you know, send me out eight hours away. Incredible. Incredible man of God. Firstly, you get to be used by God when you stick to the vision. And secondly, you get an eternal reward that outdoes what's required. You get an eternal reward that outdoes what's required. So Jesus talks about some serious rewards in Matthew 25, 20 and 21. So it's the end of the story of the parable of talents. And he says, He who had received five talents came, brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. So he's been faithful in what God's given him. Lord said to you, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Now, if that's not a big jump, I don't know what is. You were faithful over a couple of things, some money, you were faithful. I'm going to make you ruler over many things. Now, that reward outdoes what's required. And this is when we, there's an analogy of when we get to heaven, there's different levels of, 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 of blessing and honor when we get there. He says, you've been faithful on these little things, you're going to be a ruler now. You're going to have joy. He says, enter into the joy of the Lord. That, that, that passes anything that we can, we can bring to the scales on here on earth. 2 Corinthians 5.9 Therefore, whether we are at home on earth or away from home and with Him, it is our constant ambition to be pleasing to Him. 
And that needs to be our constant ambition. God, I want to be pleasing to you. God, I want to use the five talents well that you've given me. Thank you for bringing me into a church that requires much. Because a religion that costs nothing, requires nothing, asks for nothing, stands for nothing. And it produces nothing. But we produce great things. You've seen what God is doing here. So the rewards of the kingdom aren't for the strongest, fastest, the best, as you can clearly see from our brother. It's for those who are obedient with what's been trusted in them. Much is required. Oh, sorry, much has been given and we've all received. Much is required. That's our job. But much will be rewarded for those that stick to the heavenly vision. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen.